Are you an assassin? I'm a soldier. You're neither. You're an errand boy. Sent by grocery clerks. Collect the bill. I'm not through with my examination. Sit down. If I seem to be offensive, you may take it. I'm offended. You're offended. This is Speaking Out America. Join us online at speakingoutamerica.com. You paid the money. You paid four bucks? I'll keep it. It's my time now. I do a 450 show and that's it, baby. So you may make a little bread off this tonight. Things are starting to change in Ukraine. We're going to get to that a little bit later. Also, the Durham uh, hearings were today. And that was very interesting. I have, I have to tell you that the uh, interesting thing about that is that the, and I don't need to relive the whole thing, but I will tell you this, Durham is a real stand-up guy. And he's one of the good guys. And it was kind of embarrassing to listen to some of the Congress people. They were so defensive. I want you to listen to this interchange between Adam Schiff, who believes every concoction and every conspiracy that was ever developed, he hates with a seething hatred of Donald Trump. And it clearly shows in this two-way between John Durham, who was the guy that, of course, released the report saying that the FBI, the entire Russian collusion hoax was a scam promulgated by Hillary Clinton, political opposition, the Steele dossier, you know all of it. It even led eventually to all kinds of other things that supposedly Trump did that he was vindicated on. And here again is Adam Schiff, uh, who just can't get past it. And here he is addressing Durham in this exchange. Well, let me, let me say very simply, while Manafort, the campaign chairman for Donald Trump, was giving this Russian intelligence officer internal campaign polling data, Russian intelligence was helping the Trump campaign, weren't they? I, I, don't, I don't know that. You I really don't, don't know those right. very basic facts of the investigation? I know the general um, facts, yes. Do I know that particular fact myself? No. I mean, I know that I've read that in the media. And are you aware, uh, Mr. Durham, that Mueller and congressional investigations also revealed that Don Jr., was informed that a Russian official was offering the Trump campaign, quote, very high-level and sensitive information, unquote, that would be incriminating of Hillary Clinton and was part of, quote, Russia and its government support of Mr. Trump. Are you aware of that? Sure. People get phone calls all the time from uh, individuals who claim to have information like that. Really, the son of a presidential candidate gets calls all the time from a foreign government offering dirt on their opponent? Is that what you're saying? I don't think this is unique in your experience. Uh, so you uh, you have other instances of the Russian government offering dirt on uh, a presidential candidate to the presidential candidate's son. Is that what you're saying? Would you repeat the question? Uh, you said that it's not uncommon to get offers of help from a hostile foreign government in a presidential campaign directed at the president's son. You really stand by that, Mr. Durham? I'm saying that, it, that people can make phone calls um, making uh, claims uh, all the time that you may have experienced. Are you really trying to diminish significance of what happened here and the secret meeting that the president's set, son set up in Trump Tower to receive that incriminating information? Are you trying to diminish the significance of that, Mr. Turner? I'm not trying to diminish it at all, but I think the more complete story is that they met and it was a ruse and they didn't talk about Mrs. Clinton. Uh, and, and you think it's insignificant that he had a secret meeting with the Russian delegation for the purpose of getting dirt on Hillary Clinton and the only disappointment expressed in that meeting was that the dirt they got wasn't better. You don't think that's significant? I don't think that that was a well-advised thing to do. 
Oh, no. oh, not, not well advised. All right. Well, that's, that's the understatement of the year. So you think it's perfectly appropriate or, or maybe just ill-advised for a presidential campaign to secretly meet with a Russian delegation to get dirt on their opponent? You would merely say that's inadvisable? Yeah, if you're asking me what I do, it, I, don't, I hope I wouldn't do it. But it's, it was not illegal. Uh, it, was, it was stupid, foolish, ill-advised. Well, it, it is illegal to conspire to get uh, incriminating opposition research from a hostile government that is of financial value to a campaign. Wouldn't that violate campaign laws? I don't know. I don't know all those facts to be true. But Adam Schiff sure does. I mean, he's just in it, in it to win it, you know. And, and the problem is it's all done for headlines. This is all headlines. This is Adam Schiff trying to look good tonight on ABC News. That's what he wants. He's got to put those zingers. And he still believes that Trump colluded with Russia, even though Durham's report clearly says there's no evidence and that there was no evidence to begin with that would certainly have prompted an FBI investigation. And here's another Senator Cohen, who's also grilling John Durham. Now, bear in mind that John was hired to come in and be objective and present the evidence. And then it's up to Congress to decide what to do with that evidence. And clearly what Durham uh, discovered was that the FBI and the deep state or the administrative state was out to get Donald Trump. They were going to do anything they could to sway voters to not vote for him uh, in the 2016 elections. And here again is Cohen really grilling part of the Durham uh, testimony he gave before Congress today. The lure, I understand it, was that there was um, information, derogatory information on Clinton that was going to be provided. They met, and as I believe in a Hipsy report, the Hipsy report fully laid that out, that the discussion then at Trump Towers was about adoption, not about anything relating to Mrs. Clinton. It's totally, it was totally about sanctions. You're trying to get rid of the Magnitsky law. Adoptions is a ruse. Should you not have gone and looked into that and seen what the Russians were wanting in return for that? Because that's the biggest thing Putin wanted at the time, was to get Trump to relieve his people of Magnitsky sanctions. See, Cohen, just like Schiff, they just can't get it passed. They just can't get past the fact that Durham didn't indict Trump in colluding with Russia. Because these guys have absorbed it and have, have believed it, uh, ingratiatingly so that they just can't get past it. They can't believe that it's not possible that Trump didn't collude with the Russians. And hence, they're in there trying to diminish or marginalize Durham's report, which implicates the FBI and the Department of Justice. I think that um, uh, Director Mueller investigated that, and I believe one of your House committees um, explored that. That was outside the scope of what we were looking at. And, and, it's, and it was outside the scope of your... Authority to look at Klimnikov, Klim, Klimnik and, and Manafort meeting and exchanging polling data. Was that? Out? I'm sorry, I'm not following you. Manafort. You remember Manafort, the crook that managed the campaign for nothing but got tons of money from, the, from different Russian people over the years that y'all pardoned? Mr. Barr later got, helped him with the commutation or a pardon, I think a pardon. Manafort. I know who Mr. Manafort is. Yeah. He met with Kalimnik. And they discussed polling data. You don't know about that? No, the Mr. Klumnik met with a lot of people, including people. He met the with State Manafort Department. and discussed polling data. Do you not know about that? I'm aware of that. All right. Why did you then th not think it was a good idea for you to look into it and see if the FBI wasn't correct in that there was collusion, a connection between Russia and the Trump campaign to elect Trump? 
My assignment was to look at the conduct of the intelligence community agencies, uh, not to conduct some separate investigation that was done by the House or that was done by the Senate or was done by Director Mueller. You don't think that if there was if the intelligence communities, the FBI, and others came up with this information and did good work, that that should be part of your balanced report? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not following your question. I apologize. Well, <laughs> I've tried to follow your report. Mr. Donald Trump Jr. would have called it a, a nothing burger. <laughs> Much like that line of questioning. So, uh, but but yet, despite the Democrats' attempt to marginalize Durham and and air their continued grievances that they didn't catch Trump, uh, here uh, clearer heads prevail with Daryl Issa, one of my favorites from Congress. He's he's an upstanding man, one of the few uh, California representatives and a Republican. Daryl Issa. In this, in other words, are there people at all levels who did things wrong? who were not charged with crimes because of the limitation of the ability to bring charges against them for what they did, even if it was wrong. We brought charges where we thought in good faith that we could prove a case beyond a reasonable doubt. Is there there evidence beyond that? Of course. Sure. So in your experience as a career prosecutor, when, when people break the rules, and it changes the outcome of something like launching an investigation without a predicate, like uh, the president, the vice president, the attorney general, and a host of others, FBI director, knowing that this had been started with a false predicate, knowing that Hillary Clinton's campaign with her approval, in fact, had authorized this, not op research, but this weaponizing of a false claim. When they did that, they, in fact, changed the outcome, whether criminal or not, of many things, including certainly some things in voters' minds. Isn't that correct? I mean, generally speaking, there are lots of bad things that people do that aren't crimes. Um, and we can only charge those that aren't crimes. And I appreciate that. So when people are constantly making this point that somehow you didn't put enough people in jail, you gave us 300 pages that give us a responsibility. And Uh, As I said, I'm not going to try to pretend that I'm the smart lawyer up here at all, or even a lawyer. But I am somebody that understands organization, oversight, and transparency. In your report, you you do note the changes made and so on. But unless we make changes in transparency to outside individuals who can be counted on to be ombudsmen to the process— Isn't it true that if the president, the vice president, the attorney general, and a host of other top people at the FBI and Department of Justice choose in the future to push to make make outcomes occur that would not occur according to their own printed rules, that no rule per se is going to change that? I think that's true. As we say in the report, ultimately what this comes down to is the integrity of the people who are doing the job. Are they adhering to their oath or are they not adhering to their oath? Are they following the law? Are they not following the law? And that, of course, the hearing today on the John Durham report and uh, with Daryl Issa there and clearer heads do prevail. And the point is made. If the people at the top are rot, then you can expect corruption perhaps a preview into the 2024 elections. Speaking out America, JR will be right back.
You know, my good friend over there at What's Cooking, uh, Mike Horn, you hear him on CRN Talk throughout the day, throughout the week. Does a great show. Check it out sometime. Talks about all the finer things in life. And one thing I like, he plays great music on his show, too. What's Cooking on CRN Talk, which is where we are, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific. Yeah. This is Tina Turner. We also have this silly little thing called a podcast, if you can Google it, but I'm pretty sure it's being blocked. Yeah, the the, the algorithms are after me. Uh, anyway, I wanted to share with you an article, and I'm so glad that Tyler Durden wrote it, because he does bring up a lot of key issues. A lot of us have been watching now for over a year at what's happening with Ukraine, and obviously we 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 know what it's like to be under attack, to be under siege. And we would hope that we would have a president like Vladimir Zelensky who would be willing to put everything on the line to protect the integrity of his country. We can appreciate, I think, President Volodymyr uh, Zelensky. I, I, I do. I mean, there's no question in my mind that I think that though I think the winds of war have been fanned by NATO and in particular the Biden war machine, as the report has been percolating now that Putin actually offered a way out of this whole thing at the very beginning of the war, but the Biden folks refused to deal. They were in too deep. Whether that's true or not, well, Putin showed the paperwork to his friends over the weekend. I think it was in Africa. And the press picked up on it. And there was a clear effort to avoid this war that our American media didn't bother to tell us about. Putin doesn't want Ukraine to be a NATO force. We want NATO to be a force. And we want NATO to be part of Ukraine. And that's a violation of a previous treaty. So, you know, does that give uh, Putin a, you know, uh, 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 an excuse to invade Ukraine? No. But there are other things that we don't know about Ukraine, and particularly what happens in the Donbass region, where we have ethnic Russians that are apparently being you know, heavily abused by the Ukrainians there. So, you know, it, in the fog of war, it's hard to get to the truth. But one thing I do know is that American citizens have been supportive thus far to the idea of, of defending and helping Ukraine defend itself. But a, a, Tyler, Zerden, Tyler Durden over at uh, Zero Hedge writes this. He says, Zelensky joined NBC to talk about Ukraine's ongoing counteroffensive and his request for additional weapons and aircraft for Ukrainian forces. During the Thursday interview, NBC correspondent Richard Engel asked Zelensky to respond to Republican presidential candidate Ron DeSantis' characterizations of the Ukraine-Russia conflict as, quote, a territorial dispute, and that fellow Republican candidates Donald Trump vowed to quickly end the conflict and sue for peace between the two countries. So Zelensky says, if any candidate thinks supporting Ukraine is too costly, are they ready to go to go to war? Are they ready to fight? Are they ready to send their children to die? So that's posing an interesting question because it, it appears that all of this weaponry that we're giving to Ukraine is not getting the job done. So we are expected to give more. And meanwhile, we know from various agencies that are credible that uh, the Russians have moved soft nuclear tactical devices into Belarus. And just a few days ago, I believe it was Putin or his defense secretary who said, you know, 
This is this is a a proxy war right now. We are at war. We are at a proxy war, NATO specifically, with Russia. And we would like to see if there could be a peace accord. I think most Americans at this point would say, we need to come to terms. We need to figure out how to resolve this issue. It can't go on. And and Zelensky, particularly, how many of his own people does he want to continue to sacrifice? We can't keep sending weapons. We can't see, keep sending cash. So Zelensky said Ukraine continuing to fight is to the benefit of NATO nations like the United States. He says, I wonder if those candidates realize the price Ukraine is paying in this war. Well, that's the point. We don't want to have you continue to pay the price. We want to help negotiate peace so that your people can come back and they could pick up their lives. And we're ready to help you in that endeavor, just like we were in Western Germany. Engel asked Zelensky whether he was worried if certain candidates winning the 2024 U.S. presidential election raised concerns for Ukraine. Zelensky says the American people will choose the most worthy president and we will support this choice. And that's normal and fair. And no. So the question becomes, you know, to what extent do we continue to send weaponry in the form of aid? Uh, We're not sending our blood and treasure yet. But that time could come, especially if there's some sort of a nuclear attack. And that's what I think I'm, I'm getting to here, is that at what point do we, where, where, do cooler heads prevail in this attempt to try to contain this conflict? I don't personally think that Putin is on a mission to try to conquer Europe again. I do think that he feels threatened and cornered because Ukraine is an 800-mile-long border, and the last thing he wants is to have NATO forces along that border. I don't, I don't think that I find disagreement with that. And I also believe that much of this war is to the benefit of Biden if he continues to escalate it, because history shows that we're in a, when we are in an armed conflict, people typically don't want to change leadership. And I think they may be banking on that. You know, that's old school politics, and Joe Biden is about old, old school politics. So the failing Ukraine endeavor, which I refer to it, and we know now that there was supposed to be uh, a counteroffensive and it's failing to achieve any of its originally stated objectives. We also have heard from various war experts on this very program who have predicted that the, t- the clock is ticking against, against Russia. And uh, one writer, Tyler Durden, again, from Zero Hedge says, what are Biden's options now? He describes the very dangerous corner that Washington and its allies have painted themselves into believing that we can either escalate or we can admit defeat. This is not what Americans signed up for. Many Americans supported the $100 billion plus endeavor in appropriations given to Ukraine, believing it was a one-time deal to reverse Russia's territorial gains. If they had been told that it was the basis for an annual appropriation, In a new forever war, they may have thought twice. And that's what currently is being proposed by Blinken and others uh, in our our deep state, in the admin state. They just want to continue to make Ukraine like Israel, Israel status, and just continue to fund them and fund them and fund them. And Anthony Blinken has been floating that idea to give Israel status to Ukraine, which means that even if Biden loses next year, we're still sending billions and billions of security guarantees to the Ukraine, again, a forever war. And that's the last thing we want 
for Americans. We cannot continue because these things drain the treasury just like everything else. And trust me, we'll go into just how much of our debt we, we have right now. I told you yesterday that the debt, the national debt increases by half a million dollars every second, every second. That's, that's almost beyond belief. And yet it's a fact. And we want to go into another billion dollar war where there's no end in sight. I don't, I don't think that that's what Americans signed up for. And people are starting to wake up to the fact we don't want this war. Coming up next, Reverend James Harden. It's an interesting anniversary. We'll get to that in just a moment. Mm-hmm. to Speaking Out America. I am JR, your host. Again, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. is where we're at. Stop by any time on our podcast, on most podcast platforms. And on uh, KVOC and Casper, I understand, we are now being carried across the fruited plains of the great upper Midwest. Love you, Casper. Love that Secretary of State you have, too. Uh, And uh, the family at KVOC, good people. And it's nice to know that I'm reaching... You guys out there, if there's anything I can do for you, uh, you be sure to give me a call on my comment line. And that number is 941-800-2937. Again, 941-800-2937. Open to all of the listeners to Speaking Out America. And I want to talk to you a little bit about climate change because we haven't talked about it uh, in recent days. And uh, and I maybe I'm doing this because I know that it's pretty hot in a lot of areas of the country right now. Today, of course, is the longest day of the year, uh, which makes it summer in the Northern Hemisphere and winter, where it's also the shortest day of the year for those people below the Southern Hemisphere because of the angle of the Earth juxtaposed with the sun. So uh, today we get those few extra minutes of sunlight. Uh, But meanwhile, down under, it's a turning point for them because the shorter days are going to start getting longer after today. So that's good. Uh, And so one of the issues that's been going on lately that gets a little reporting is the solar activity. There's been a tremendous amount of solar activity over the past six months, in particular with uh, magnetic storms and solar flares and CMEs, all this tremendous amount of energy that is coming off the sun. And it doesn't get reported, but it should, because it is bound to have an effect on, on Mother Earth in ways that, well, the pretty common sense, if you're getting blasted with, you know, solar flares. Now, thankfully, we have an atmosphere, and that protects us from most of it, but the energy does get in. That genetic energy does get in. And that uh, genetic or kinetic energy is heat. And that heat does get into the atmosphere, and it can have an effect, particularly on our oceans, because, you know, let's face it, the Earth is made up 75% of it, is water. And so that heat has to go somewhere and it gets absorbed. Now, we don't know what the effect is on the atmosphere, but it has to have some effect. And that's why I think we're having a, I don't want to say a warmer than normal 
uh, summer because not, there is no such thing as normal. Normal is what is average, but average is constantly changing. Every time there's a new day, there's new data. That data goes into the rolling average, and the average fluctuates based on the new data. So there is no such thing as a median temperature. Uh, but science would have you believe that the Earth has a steady temperature of 57 point whatever it is, 2 degrees. And that's uh, considered a little warmer than, say, in the early 1930s where the global mean temperature was about 55 degrees. And I remember that because I have a great memory and I studied my science. But a 2 degree fluctuation over the course of, well, almost 100 years is statistically insignificant. And the reason I say that is because in the next hundred years, if that pattern were to continue, then we could see that there is a, a definitive warming trend. But it still doesn't explain what might be causing it. It could be caused by a whole range of, of things. But what's happening now in our society, and they kind of took a pause on it after COVID, but you, you better believe they're going to come back at you. You see it every day on the Weather Channel. Every day when you watch the news, there's 365 days out of the year. That means uh, there's going to be a high and a low every single day. That's 700, 823 days. That's 823 times a year that any particular location in, in the world will have a low temperature and a high temperature. So over the course of a year, you're bound to have some records break. It'll either be colder than normal on a specific day or warmer than normal on a specific day. But what your local meteorologist is being taught and being told to do is to constantly keep you in a, in a sense of bewilderment over the drastic change of the climate. And this is why you're always hearing about records being broken. They may not be very significant records. For example, I live in Florida. We've had a particularly hot June, but we had a particularly nice winter. We didn't have the cold winter that we wanted, but last December we had a lot of cold colder than normal. And they always report this in, in the uh, construct of it being a crisis. And you're just going to see more and more and more of it as it continues on. You're going to see it in television shows. You're going to see climate change being referred to in all of your movies, documentaries. With all this money that Al Gore and John Kerry are extorting out of countries, to, for some reason, throwing money at this problem as if that's going to fix it. Um, what it's going to do is it's going to give you a false sense of security that you're doing something. But you're also being controlled. So when the energy costs go up, well, you're being told it's your fault, that it's you that caused this. When we have rolling blackouts in California because there's not enough electricity for the grid and the demand is greater than the supply, you're going to be told it's your fault, not the government's fault for mismanaging and trying to switch over to renewables, which only produce about 14% of what fossil fuels produce. So it, it does, it's not going to end. The World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization, all of these NGOs are, are getting the nod from the higher-ups that they have carte blanche on whatever they want to do to scare the hell out of you about the weather. And that also goes down on a micro level because now we're getting into an area where people themselves are going to be, are going to be 
ex- it, uh, what's the word? They're going to be blamed. S- simple word. They're going to be blamed for causing the ki- climate crisis. Children today don't want to have children because they don't think that there's going to be an earth by the year 2030. Now, it's funny because Greta Thunberg caught a whole lot of flack because it was about 10 years ago she had made the prediction that the earth would be dead. And apparently none of that happened. And now she's having to answer. But see, that's the thing is they want you to forget it. They want you to forget about the past. You're only supposed to be paying attention to the present. And if you turn on the weather channel, or if you go on Wikipedia, or if you go anywhere where you get information, Yahoo, Yahoo Weather. Now you might say, well, Jim, if everybody's in on it, maybe they're right. Maybe they're right. Maybe there is man-made climate change and we need to get our act together because Mother Earth is dying. But is Mother Earth dying? No, it's not. Actually, vegetation is up. The problem is people. Consumption is up. Now, you want to talk to me about consumption? I'm all about consumption. I'm all about talking about ways to reduce consumption. Absolutely. You want to talk to me about pollution? I'm all about clean air, water. I grew up in L.A. I knew I knew what sig alerts were. I saw the, the orange skies in the morning as I was hiking my way up to high school. Uh, and I remember they had advisories, stay indoors. And then they got rid of the catalytic, catalytic converter. And they put pressure on the oil companies to make a more refined oil, which they did, which is still called 92 octane. And guess what? The air cleared up. That to me is progress. What isn't progress is saying that we have to build a million EV charging stations across the country to accommodate electric vehicles that require tons and tons of lithium, cobalt, and other rare earths to be dug out of the ground just so you and I could feel happy driving around in an $8,000 car that takes three hours to charge. Sometimes one if it's a Tesla. Um, they want to eliminate, I mean, there's a whole plan here to to completely shift everyone over, whether they like it or not. California, shifting people over to electric vehicles. But what it's going to do ultimately is it's going to limit your ability to move about freely. And and that, I think, is is ultimately the plan. Now, people who want to be fired up and they feel like they have a cause that they can get behind, they're the climate activists. But they're being lied to. And the reason I know that they're being lied to is because no one ever wants to have a serious debate about the carbon issue. Anytime someone suggests, well, why don't we have a debate about it, whether it's the UK, everybody gets shut down, you're called a denier. Uh, even our own former president said it's the consensus of science that man is the cause of Earth's temperature rise, and we have to stop it. And the only way to stop it is to stop using cheap energy and replace it with more expensive energy that still won't meet the needs of 7 billion people on this planet. And that's where we're at with the the climate war. And it's only going to get worse. Jane Fonda is lobbying for more uh, movies to include climate propaganda. And the funny part about it is, even if America were to completely shut off all of its gas pumps today, we would have a negligible effect on the Earth's temperature. Negligible. Point zero four percent, I think. If, if if even that. Uh, but people feel comfortable being lied to, I suppose. I guess that's what it is. They they feel comfortable feeling like 
they have something that they can fix. You know, and, and, and we people, we love, you know what it is? We love counting things. We love counting turtles. We love counting carbon. We love counting trees. We love counting dolphins. We like tagging animals so that we can keep count of everybody. You know, we're a funny species, really. It's like we just sit around and count on our fingers all day long. Till next time, thanks for stopping by Speaking Out, America. Going out with Robert Plant. And those who understand the science understand that it is fundamental. Humans cannot and do not affect the level of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. It's controlled by nature entirely.